was riding number nine Heading south from Carolina I heard that long wow Some whistle blow Warning, this radio show contains strong language, excessive use of alcohol and tobacco products, and a whole lot of bullshit and nudity. We here at WBWalker.com are not responsible for any lewd behavior, recklessness, illegal acts, or unwanted pregnancies. Directly caused by listening to this radio show. Viewer discretion is advised. where you can and hold on it's me it's me so wb walker and you're listening to wb walker's old soul radio show broadcasting on itunes and over wbwalker.com hell just want to start out by saying thanks for tuning to me again what y'all think of last week's episode oh core blonde oh hayes carl no sturgill simpson absolutely fucking killed it didn't he i'm telling you it's fucking crazy to think that uh, Sturgill would have had the number one record on the Billboard Top 200 if old Prince wouldn't have passed away. I think number one and number two is like Purple Rain and Prince's Greatest Hits or some shit. Regardless, that's pretty fucking badass. I mean, it warms my heart to see old Sturgill doing so damn good for himself. But hell, on tonight's episode, I got something for you kind of out of the ordinary, something that I didn't want to talk about because I didn't know for sure if it's going to happen or not. But hell, here on Sunday, old Coder Wall and... Miss Mary Spar and old Justin Payne come down and hell, we shot the shit and uh, them two boys was gracious enough to play us all some songs here and hell, we recorded the whole damn thing so I sure hope y'all enjoy it. But hell, I don't know about you all, but uh, I'm ready to get to the show and hell, I'm looking forward to y'all giving her a listen. So hell, let's get to it here on WB Walker's Old Soul Radio Show. Oh. Well, hell, this is probably a little bit of a surprise for you. This is something that I really ain't told nobody about because I wasn't for sure that they was going to be able to make it down here. But uh, on tonight's episode, I have the one and only Coder Wall, Miss Mary Spar here in Dingus, West Virginia. Thanks for having us, man. <laughs> man I, I know you've got to see uh, quite a bit of the, of the mountain state, but hell, in my damn opinion, this is West Virginia right here. <laughs> so, hell, you've, you've seen it all. You've seen the rich part of the state, and hell, you've seen... Dingus. I mean, the name says it all. Dingus, man. Oh, yeah. Dundee. Dundee. <laughs> and uh, I know last night you played with the uh, well, hell past little bit. You've been doing some shows with Tyler. You used at the Greenbrier last night, and you used at Tootles uh, uh, up in Circleville the night before. What's it been like playing with old Tyler Childers? Well, yeah, we we've been playing. Uh, we had a bit of a break, but we were playing with Tyler for the past few weeks now. I think it was something like six shows altogether. And uh, 
I mean, it sounds cliche, but it really has been a pleasure, man. He's a he's a he's a real down to earth cat, and uh, and I mean, a songwriter, songwriter for sure. So it's been uh, it's been real fun to share the stage and watch him and his band play. Yeah, he. Uh, I've kind of watched him uh, progress and things over the years. You know, I've. Uh, yeah, I first heard about him. I guess probably 2012. Hell, he's he's been a part of the show. Hell, since the get go, and hell, he uh, he's something else. But hell, it means the world to me, man. I mean, I know you're a long way from home and shit. So hell, I really appreciate you coming down here to to shoot the shit with me. I know it's a little bit out of your way today, but hell, I appreciate you all taking the long way around. Anytime, man. Yeah, uh, something I was asking you earlier. Uh, with the album Imaginary Appalachia, you know, since hell, since you are in Appalachia and all, how did mm-hmm. that name kind of come to be? What was the inspiration kind of behind it? Well, uh, a lot of the songs on that record, when, or I guess on that EP, when I was uh, writing them, uh, there was a lot of influence from you know uh, traditional Appalachian music and, and you know the music of the hills and, and the, the tradition and how they've been passed down and. Uh, I've always sort of been fascinated with that, so there, I think there was a lot of that that made it into the songwriting and, and some of those tunes. Um, but uh, at the same time, the, the title was sort of a play on the fact that I'm not, you know, I'm not from here. Thus, the imaginary part. So there's, there's a, I don't know, it's kind of a bit of a joke. But well, like I told you that night at the V Club, and I, I meant it with everything in me. There's a lot of people from West Virginia and Kentucky that I've ran across that uh, they may be. Appalachians, but hell, you fit in as, as much, if not more, than than most people that I've from this damn area. So hell, if you, uh, hell, you're a damn honorary Appalachian to me. I can tell Thanks, you that. Man. Woo, finally in the club. Yeah, yeah. Hell, speaking of clubs and all, I guess you're now a member of the uh, Honky Tonk Heroes. I am, man. I got pinned. They they pinned one on my chest. It's official. Yeah, that's a uh, prestigious thing to be a part of. There's some pretty good old dudes and passionate about stuff. And hell, I I got. Pin hanging up there on that old Bo Cephas flag, and I didn't get it till uh, hell, probably three or four months ago. And I've known them sons of bitches for two or three years. And the <laughs> first time you beat them, they give you a fucking pin. So, I don't have one yet. Yeah, Justin Payne don't even have one. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, I guess it is what it is. <laughs> they don't take care of the homeboys no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, if you feel like it, you want to play us one? Absolutely. All right. What are you going to play for us? I'm going to do, I'm going to play a new song. Uh, I think one of the ones that I, that I played at uh, for the first time at the, at the show at the V Club there the other night. All right, sounds good. So, hell, here's old Coder Wall on the Old Soul radio show. I'll... Crying on a motel floor 
I don't cry for you anymore. Many a dark hour, look up to the sky. Many unkind thoughts are laid upon my hazy eye. Sometimes I get to thinking Why wait around to die Why don't think of you So I get by Every day it seems The whole damn life's just a codeine drink I don't dream of you really more. December gets a little bit harder Lay that bottle down It's more than just the weather That plagues this prairie town well, I won't be seeing you When I come round Every day it seems Hold down life's just a codeine drink Why don't dream of you really more Holy shit Crotter, man Made me feel something, Coder Well, Made me feel something it's the mission statement, man, so that's good to hear. What are you, uh, what are you calling that one? You know what, I'm not sure yet. I thought about just codeine dreams. Uh, that might end up being the title, but it's pretty new. That one's pretty fresh, like a couple weeks old. Well, I appreciate you sharing it with me again. I was sharing it with us all here on the Old Soul Radio Show. Hey, I figure, uh, so since me and you and Mary and Justin's here, I figure I'd, maybe everybody can pick out a couple songs a piece to play uh what would you like to pick out there coder man uh i'd like to hear it's always freaking towns man (laughs) i was gonna say i'd like to hear something of tyler's maybe something from uh from uh bottles and bibles okay yeah that's a good choice any song in particular you want me to just go with man i'll tell you what how about I, I, I? How about we play a song from uh, Bottles and Bibles that uh, has my favorite damn song off that record? Sure. 
All right. Hey, what is it? Harvest. Mm, it's a good one. Can't go wrong with a little harvest. So here on the Old Soul Radio Show, here's old Timmy Ty Childers off his 2011 release, Bottles and Bibles, telling you all about that old harvest on W.B. Walker's Old Soul Radio Show. Ow. Triggers moving backwards and the pen hits the shell When my soul's sinking slowly to the warm pits of hell Won't you tell my baby sister that I'll be back in the fall Cause it's better to have false hope than no hope at all And I'll be meeting with my Savior To go over my foolish deeds When he asks me why I did it Lord, I'll blame it on the seed Cause it didn't grow in like I planned And when it did, it all went dry And I couldn't stand to hear the pain Of a small baby crying Well, I used to read the names And I wondered when the good Lord Would take my soul away Well, I wonder if he planned it To happen like this at all With the shot heard halfway across the world And my sins on the wall And I'll be meeting with my Savior To go over my foolish deeds When he asks me why I did it Lord, I'll blame it on the seed Cause it didn't grow in like I planned And when it did, it all went dry And I couldn't stand to hear the pain Of a small baby crying And they'll tell me I'm a bad man They've never seen the sight of a baby wailing in his crib and ripping apart the night. It's a small baby crying. clubs awoke and it was to his wife he turned his lips were laughing as they spoke his eyes like bullets burned the sun's upon a gambling day his queen smiled low and blissfully let's make some wretched fools pay plain it was she did agree 
He sent his deuce down into diamond, his four to heart and his trade of spade. Three kings with their legions come, preparations soon were made. They voted club the day's commander, give him an army face and number all but the outlaw jack of diamonds and the aces in the sky. Well, he give his sevens first instruction. Spirit me a game of stud. Stakes unscarred by limitations between a man named Gold and a man named Mud. Club filled gold with greedy vapors till his long green eyes did glow and Mud was left with them sighs and trembles watching his hard-earned money go. Flushes fell on gold like water. Tens they paired and paired again, but the aces only flew through heaven. The diamond jack called no man's friend. The diamond queen saw Mud's ordeal, began to think of her long lost son. Fell to her knees, that merciful lady, and prayed to the angels, everyone. The diamond queen, she prayed and prayed till the diamond angel filled Mud's hole. The wicked king of clubs himself fell face down in front of gold. Now the three kings come to club's command, but the angels from the sky did ride. Three kings up on the streets of gold, three fireballs on the muddy side. The club queen heard her husband's call, but Lord, that queen of diamonds joy. When the warrior in the heavenly hall turned out to be her outlaw boy. Now mud he checked and gold bet all, and mud did raise and gold did call, and the smile just melted on his face when mud turned over that diamond ace. Now here's what this story's told. If you feel like mud, you're gonna wind up gold. If you feel like lost, you'll end up found. So amigo, lay them raises down. That was so Tyler Childers with Harvest, followed by Towns Van Zant, uh, telling you a little tale about Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold. I know that uh, Towns is a pretty big influence of yours, uh, Coder. Uh, what was the first Town song you can ever remember hearing? First Town song I ever heard was probably uh, Waiting Around to Die, uh, and then Poncho and Lefty. Immediately after that, I think I was digging around online and I found uh, some of those clips from Heartworn Highways, that documentary which has become one probably my favorite music documentary and uh, I just saw him sitting there uh, you know in a shitty little house with his friends playing these songs and that was it man I was hooked when uh, at my show you know, a couple weekends ago you know I, I talked to you a little bit online about you know kind of what you do in your set list and you told me that you sometimes do some towns covers and uh, I, I honestly felt when you broke out waiting around to die I kind of felt like that old man, that old black man in the video. I mean, I was holding back. You know, there's people turn around and look at me. I mean, I, they, they could probably see me kind of, you know, snip, snubbing a little bit. So I was trying to keep it together and shit. But uh, that one really, that one really hit home with me. That's a thank you, man. And you do it the way that, uh, hell, the way it's meant to be done. I mean, and I think if if you'd have been born, hell, what now? I guess 50 years ago, you'd have fit in good with them old boys sitting around that old shitty house. I can yeah. tell you that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, hell, we was talking a minute ago about uh, talking about uh, imaginary Appalachia. Uh, I know a song that uh, has garnered pretty good buzz and stuff for you is Kate McCann. And how how long was it wrote after the that session? 
that was actually kind of written right towards the end. Uh, I was saying earlier that uh, we were originally just going to do six songs on that for the, you know for the EP, but uh, I sort of wanted to do that cover that uh, that town's cover or nothing. Um, I got it in my mind that it'd be cool to have that one on there and you know playing on an electric guitar just me and the guitar and the microphone and we sort of did it on the last day in the studio and happened to get it actually on the first uh, first track uh, the first time we, we tried to record it we got it which is good because it's a real taxing song to sing you know yeah. It'll mess with your head but uh, but uh, yeah that's how that one ended up to be have seven songs on it yeah, man, I, I guess the first time I heard your music was, uh, like I was telling you all here a couple weeks ago, I guess when uh, when uh, that video you've done of, uh, what was I guess the Devil Wears a Suit and Tie that was at the, the brewery. Uh, how did that kind of come to be? Is it just some people that fans of your music that just want to invite you up to? Yeah, it was just kind of a local group, and they, they uh, you know, and beer and they like their local music and they kind of wanted to start up a series where they would just have bands from bands and artists come from you know close by and and uh waltz into the brewery and play a song and they record it and and do a really good job on the production and, and, and film it so i was lucky enough to be able to do that and and uh yeah to answer your your original question about kate mccannon uh that was actually written right uh as i was finishing the the ep uh, it was, uh, and it, it would have made it on. I think we just kind of sent them away to be mastered, sent the tracks away for mastering, and otherwise it would have been on there because that song's kind of, you know, in the same sort of, I guess, state of mind as a lot of the other songs on that record. Yeah, uh, I kind of fucked up a second ago. I guess the first song I heard was Kate McCann, and that was the, the one that got shared. But it, uh, there hasn't been many times since I've been doing this podcast and things that, uh, that I've heard musicians that really just, hey, I don't care how fucking drunk you are, you know, we'll sober your ass up, and uh, and it did it to me. I mean, I just had to immediately. I downloaded the Imaginary Appalachia, and I even downloaded the uh, the other singles, and I realized I think it was the same damn song. Yeah. But hey, I don't mind sending a couple extra bucks your I way. I appreciate anyway. the extra dollars, man. Yeah, I got you on that one. Uh, <laughs> I tricked you. Yeah. <laughs> tricky, tricky here. Yeah. I'm telling you. But it, uh, man, it's one of the one of the best pieces of music I've heard in, in a long time. So I really appreciate you putting that one out for all of us. It means a lot. Thanks. But uh, you know, last last uh, well, a couple weeks ago when we done the three year show, uh, there's a lot of people that have sent me messages and stuff. You know, wanting to know how Justin Payne was doing and things, and uh, and was kind of worried about him. And they hated it. They didn't get to hear him on the on the show. So if Justin feels like it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, how about you play us a couple? Sure. sure. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's my absolute pleasure to once again here on the Old Soul Radio Show bring back to you a fellow I think the absolute world of. So, now, ladies and gentlemen, this is Justin Payne. Second hand shoot. Second-hand clothes We were poorer than this picture shows But the times I loved most Were in that trailer down at Tar and Chip Road Daddy working hard all the time Well, 
Mama kept us three in line This red-headed boy and them sisters of mine Yeah, we were trouble from time to time I cast a line from a swinging bridge Knew them hills from the foot Daddy taught me how to shoot and how to live. Mama showed me love and how to give. Well, living their lives for us kids were no limit to the things they did. Picking up cans in a roadside ditch or selling roots for my Christmas list. Snapping them beans and pickling brine We stocked the cellar for the winter time Grandma laughed, the jelly's on mine Damn the crab apple sure tasted fine I can still see grandmother's face How I miss you, Daisy May You taught me there's a time for work And a time for play You're everything that's missing from this world today Back life out in these hills There's now due dates and bills Gone on the days of the moonshine steel Whole counties overrun with the pills Secondhand shoes, secondhand clothes Ain't it funny how that secondhand goes The time's so slow when you're young and bold Way too fast Growing old. That was old Justin Payne with Growing Old. It's kind of funny, the first time you ever played this for me, we were sitting out on that front porch. and uh, Yeah, yeah, sure was. That's the first time I ever played to anybody. It was just a couple of days after I rode. And it still you know, still hits me just as hard as you know, I, I can feel like I know exactly what you just sung about. I mean, it reminds me of my childhood. There's a song that... Uh, you know, I want you to play that uh, you planned on playing at the three-year show, and uh, would mean the absolute world to me if you could do this one for us. I'll sure try it. Well, them wolves say all how. Scratching at my door The locks of me are busted Can't keep them out here no more Railroad done, forgot my name They've tore up all the tracks Cold trains have left this town They ain't coming back 
Well, the flies pay the bills and promises fed kids. Well, I never have to worry in the ways my grandpa did. Hired on, they told me, give her five years, you'll be fine. But here I sit, ten years in on that unemployment. So long, can't you help me? I put all my faith in you. My life is just a memory of old. Route 52. Well, McDowell County ain't no more. Rock, Ball riches, the coal's gone and all that's left are needles in the ditches. They took them profits cut and run while we scraped for ends to meet. The food banks have gone empty like houses down these streets. So now Lord, can't you help me? I put on my faith in my life is just a memory of old Route 52 Everything I know just to try to pay the bills. I ain't seen my family now, gone on 60 days. Hit my knees in that hotel room. And this is what I pray. Oh Lord, can't you help me? I put all my faith. Life is just a memory of Route 52. Well, them wolves, they are half scratching at my door. The locks of me are busted. Can't keep them out of here no more. Well, you know it means a lot to me for you to do that one right there. That's, That's good. You wrote a good one there, WB. Yeah. I can't, I'm the kind of person that I don't write much, but when I do, I try to... The only way I can write is what I've been through and what I've lived, so I do appreciate that. Well, you've done a number on that one. I appreciate it. This one, uh, my understanding is going to be on a... Little EP you're working on. Uh, how about you talk a little bit about the Cold Camp EP? Well, the Cold Camp EP kind of came from a brainstorm of me and you one night. 
We noticed that the food banks in our coal fields in our area, uh, me being from Boone County, you being from Mingo, Logan area, we noticed that the, heard the news that the food banks are struggling. So I'm working right now as we speak on an EP called Coal Camp. It's going to have about six songs on it, five of them written by me, one of them written by WB. All proceeds will go to these food banks in, in the coal fields. If it does better than that, we'll expand out and help somebody else. Yeah, that's, you know, me and you both growing up in this area and stuff, you know, there's a lot of people that might not have the best opinion on coal and stuff, but regardless of how environmentally friendly it is, there's children that uh, are going hungry. So well, I, I, I look at it this way. Uh, I don't care where you stand on it. That's, that's everybody's right. Uh, this is a people issue to me. It's, it has nothing to do with political views, exactly. environmental views. I, I, I don't care about that. I really don't. Uh, my thing is people. I, well, I'm going to take care of the people first and I'll worry about the rest later. That's it. Coder picked us out a couple here a minute ago. Uh, what do you want to hear here on the Old Soul Radio Show? Hmm. You're going to have to play me some Hellbound Glory. Yeah. What song you want to hear here? Be My Crutch. All right, we're going to get to music here and uh, let old Leon, Levi, Leroy Bowers uh, tell us all about them old crutches here. W.B. Walker's Old Soul Radio Show. Ow. and hit the ground. It's hauled you walk through this old world in the room. It's spinning around. And if I fall, girl, and reach out my hand, would you be there, girl, to help me stand? Be my crutch, should I fall? If I can't walk on last call, I got too drunk. Be my crutch, stand by my side, darling. I need you tonight to be my crutch. If I can't walk on last call, I got too drunk. Be my crutch, stand by my side, darling. I need you tonight to be my crutch.
There'll be no more weeping on the morrow, dead and buried. There'll be silence in our graveyard. Be no mourners, no one to see. Well, I fear the end is near, and the curtain has closed. The seventh horn blown, the petals on the rose. Fire beneath me from the heavens above. It's too late for understanding. It's too late for love. Hellbound Glory with uh, Be My Crutch, recorded live from Toodles Pumpkin Inn in Circleville, Ohio, followed by the late great Robert Earl Reed with Devil in a Cane Break. Coder's been gracious enough to uh, play us a couple more here. Uh, what you want to play for us there, Coder? I'm going to do, well, I'm going to start with uh, Waiting Around to Die. Well, that's, that's all right by me. Yeah. There's old Coder Wall covering the uh, late great Towns Van Zant for you with uh, how you heard me earlier. Hell, I'll just you all be the judge. I'll let his music speak for yourself. How fucking great it is. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know where this dirty road has taken me Sometimes I don't even know the reason why Well I guess I keep a gambling Lots of booze and lots of rambling 
Said it's easier than just to wait around to die One time friends I had a ma, I even had a pa Well he beat her with the belt once cause she cried She told him to take care of me Headed down to Tennessee Said it's easier than just waiting around to die Well I came age and I met a girl in a Tuscaloosa bar Well she cleaned me out and hit it on the slide When I tried to kill the pain I bought some wine and hopped the train Seemed easier than just waiting around to die Said he knew where some easy money was Well we robbed a man and brother till we fly But the posse caught up with me Drug me back to Muskogee well, it's two long years of waiting around to die Well, now I'm out of prison I got me a friendly light Well, and he don't drink or cheat or steal or lie Well, his name is Codeine The nicest thing I ever seen. Well, together we're gonna wait around the die. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate no that. Man, place one more. Yeah, what do you want to hear, man? You pick one. Uh, how about you play Caroline? I'd love to. Where the sun doth shine and the birds keep time, the pines up yonder, that's the home of my Caroline. She's dancing in the sky. 
Caroline off his latest release, Imaginary Appalachia. If uh, people want to pick your mu- music up, Coder, uh, where can they go to get her? Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, all those places, and uh, you can get the physical copies, and I think you can download it too from... Uh, yeah, directly from the artist, yeah. from his pocket, <laughs> nothing out of it, where well, you should buy it, culturewall.com, thanks. Yeah, culturewall.com. <laughs> <laughs> It's. I kind of had a surreal moment a second ago. I mean, I've. I mean, I've known music. I guess for probably about four or five months now. And uh, one morning, I don't know what time it was up north. I know it's pretty early. You done that run with the? Is it Nick? Uh, Nick Fay, yeah. Nick Fay, and I'd seen either him or you had posted. You was gonna do some live radio, and you know, I made a pot of coffee and I got up a little early and uh, and tuned in, and listened to it, and man, I just really enjoyed it so for me you know 
I mean, I'm, I'm proud to call you a friend, but uh, before I ever got to speak to you, you know, been a fan, and uh, I'm just blessed to have the opportunity to uh, have you here and kind of do a radio show here on Dingus, West Virginia. So, man, I really appreciate it. It's just funny how shit works out. I swear yeah. it is. Well, I'm happy to be here, man, and I'd love to do it again. Thanks for having me. Man, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's just, it, man, it's crazy. It's crazy to have you here. I mean, it's it's unreal. Uh I'll tell you a little story I don't think I've ever told you. I'm bad about, and hell, uh, Tyler Childers just maybe told you some stories I don't know. I'm bad about when I get drunk, I like to talk. And whether it be messaging people or, or FaceTiming people at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, I'm trying to work on that, but uh, sometimes I let the whiskey do my talking. But uh, anyway, uh, hell, that, that night I messaged you about wanting you to do my show, I was pretty fucked up, and I was sitting on my couch watching YouTube videos, and I thought, well, I'm going to see if he wants to come down and do a show. And uh, that's probably the best decision I've made drunk because usually it don't work out too damn good. Well, it, worked, Here I am. it worked out pretty damn good. <laughs> but uh, hey, I figure uh, I listened to that old Margot Price album last night and hey, it's kind of been on my mind. So I figure I'll play a track here from old Margot Price off her latest release from Third Man Records. So hey, here's old Margot Price telling you all about that old bottle of Evan Williams on WB Walker's Old Soul Radio Show. Oh. Uh, Since you put me down I've been drinking just to drown I've been lying through the cracks of my teeth I've been waltzing with my sin He's an ugly evil twin He's a double-crossing bad
get too far. They're just sucking all of the good blood out of this town. But I'm an outcast and I'm a stray. Suckle outside my window, do sparkling on the vine. Little squirrels is a barking like they thought they was a mountain lion. I get into thinking about the road, all the times I've been back again. I was born a child of these muddy roads. Guess I'll die here lonesome as the wind goes on my car.
That was Miss Margot Price for you, followed by old Shooter Jennings, covering a little Steve Young for you with a, a White Trash song. It is an absolute pleasure to uh, introduce somebody here on the Old Soul Radio Show that uh, I've been a friend of for a while, that uh, I've admired for a while. I mean, she uh, seems like anything she touches turns to gold. <laughs> Silver sometimes, bronze every every now and then. Yeah, still worth something, ain't it? Yeah. It means a lot to me to have a... Uh, Mary Spar here on the Old Soul Radio Hey, oh. I think this is going to be the Young Mary takeover. I, I've been thinking about it. And, you know, the thing about WB is he gets on this podcast and he, he talks about how it's such a pleasure to talk to all these artists and, and listen to their music and, and have them come on. But really what I think that we all we all understand, especially you guys that are listening right now, is that really it's a pleasure for all of us to know you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, I was out on the road with, with Shooter Jennings, we will use his last name, uh, you know, for two years, and I saw all these different music scenes and all these different opening bands and all this different, you know, you could, you could get a gauge on what was going out in the in the U.S. of A. when it comes to country music by being out with somebody like that. And, and what you've done here in this little dingus of West Virginia and, and at the V Club that we saw the other, the other night is actually really remarkable because you have a community here that you've built that people care about and you help, you know, in the same way that you said I everything I touch turns to gold, I feel like, you know, you got the the uh the golden ears, you know. So what I want to know from you, WB, is well that, I want to know a lot of things, but is uh what is it that makes you keep doing this every week? What is it? What's the most rewarding part of being being the radio man. Uh, like me and you've talked before there, you know, I don't I don't make any money off this and if people want to get into podcasting because of money, especially with like music commentary type stuff, I mean you can't do it. Uh the most rewarding thing for me is when I post a a video of let's say Coder Wall or something and and somebody comments and says, Man, this just changed my life or just how have I not heard of this person until now and uh you know back Probably in 2012, you know, that's what Chris Knight done for me because mm-hmm. I was always kind of like a fan. I mean, I didn't know there was so much more out there, you know. Growing up in this area, there really ain't a lot of, I mean, the kind of, I don't want to say underground. I really don't like that term too much. But the, the country scene, actually real country music, real music in general, there isn't really a lot of outlets to, to find it. And uh, I heard Chris Knight and it just blew me away. I thought, man, if there's people out here that's just, you know, writes music like this that... Uh, that uh, that I haven't heard of. Who else is out there? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you know, you can read a good book, and the first thing you want to do when you close that last page is you want to share it and give it to somebody else, and you want them to experience exactly what you just experienced. So I started doing this show in 2012, and at the time I didn't have like I didn't have Wi-Fi. We had dial-up. Good so, lord! So I had like this little tiny, the dark ages. The, well, you're in dingus. I, I mean, mean. It's still pretty much <laughs> the dark ages. Right now here. we're talking into a Coke can, just so you guys know. It ain't Coke, it's Bubba Cola. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, when I first started doing the show, I had like a little shitty, uh, like mini laptop. And uh, I started out with like a really shitty microphone. But I would do the show, and then I would drive to McDonald's and get like a double cheeseburger or some shit and use their free Wi-Fi. Why aren't you fatter? Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting oh, there. God. I would, uh, I, that's, that's how I would upload my shows. I didn't have Wi-Fi, so I would do that to upload my shows and at first it was just like friends and family and stuff and then uh you know robert earl reed he was somebody that uh he really helped kind of 
getting my show out there, spreading the word and stuff. And he had a, you know, he him and Shooter was pretty good friends, and Robert mm-hmm. you know, was a big part of the Triple X movement and all that. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people that appreciated what I'd done, and uh, you know, I I guess the gratification of knowing that I'm doing something that that people enjoy and uh, things like that. I mean, that's what keeps me going. I had a couple times, you know, when uh, especially when I was in New York and Ohio and stuff last year. I mean, I was just staying drunk all the time, depressed. I didn't do many shows and. Uh, I didn't realize it. I wish I could go back and tell myself that doing the shows probably would have helped. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, kind of getting back home and things, it uh, made me realize just how much, when I didn't do the show, how much it meant to people because they wanted to hear it. And, you know, as long as people will listen and as long as there's people out there still making real music that, that needs to be heard, I'll continue to do it. I mean, well, I hope that my, my touch of you here turns you to gold, too. I hope I hope I rub off on you. Um, you said you didn't like the term underground. How do you feel about the term outlaw country? To me, outlaw country was a term that was made for people that was actually outlaws, people that was getting, you know. Is it is outlaw dead? I mean, it's not dead because there's still, I mean, I just don't think there's really much new outlaw country coming out. I mean... I don't know. I think when I think outlaw country, I think of Waylon flushing coke down a toilet. I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I think of Merle Haggard, you know, uh, listening to uh, some prisoner cry for his mother as he's walking down a, a hallway to his doom, and then he goes and writes songs about it. You know, that's kind of what I think of. I just, I just, to me, Coder's music and Justin Payne, Tyler Childers, anybody, to me, it's just country music. Mm-hmm. And Americana, that term is just a damn catch-all. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, there's still people that make kind of like in the same style, like a Whitey Morgan or something. Maybe his that style could be considered outlaw country, but I don't think really the, the the style of music could be considered, but maybe not so much the lifestyle. Or them guys, when, like Shooter talks about in, uh, in Outlaw U, talks about, you know, Waylon come to town, they didn't like his original sound, so he was an outlaw. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I guess in a sense, you, if you want to look at it that way, the people that... Kind of like Marty Stewart says, the most outlaw thing you can do nowadays is write actual country music. So I guess, you know, in a way, you know, just however you want to look at it, you know, I guess there's still a lot of outlaws left that's still trying to not really worry about the the fame as much as it is uh, documenting their, their life stories and, and telling people you know, what they, you know, want to tell them from the heart. As much as you talk to, like, um, new artists and guys that are out there plugging away on the road, you know, a lot of the artists you had at your at your show the other night are guys that are, are, are doing that dive circuit. They're playing to, you know, crowds of 20, 30 people or 100 people or, or you know, the, the seven people that are pieces of shit that show up to play pool and talk through your whole set. Um, what do you think, like, if, if you had the opportunity to go to someone that had just an endless checkbook and endless resources, what would you say is the most important thing most of the artists you listen to or deal with need? They just, they just need the exposure because the music is so good. It's like, it's like somebody like John Moreland, you know, I listen to John. God, my favorite record last year probably is John Moreland's Yeah, I mean, I, I can remember listening to John when, uh, when he didn't have music out there, then, then you see, you know, him on like the Colbert show and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. mean, just when I see stuff like that, it just warms my heart because, you know, maybe in some small little way, you know, people like me that have tried to uh, promote people might have helped out a little bit. 
it's just you got these like these people in Nashville, like I guess your mainstream country, they got people, you know, putting millions of dollars into promotions and things like that. I mean, it's just like you talking about the whole dive bar thing. People like Coder Wall and Tyler Childers and stuff, they're gonna be, in my opinion, I mean, it ain't my opinion, it's just a fucking true facts, man. They're gonna be household names before long. And, you know, they they don't have these endless amounts of money behind them, pushing them. They're just out doing it the way that it used to be done. Right. And they're doing it you know, the way that, that, uh, that Waylon done it and the way that, that Hank done it and uh, the way that everybody used to do it. Putting I mean, their time in. It's kind of like, you know, you, you pay your dues and uh, you know things will, will happen good for you. But the, the best thing, I mean, the, the best thing that people can do, and it, it don't cost a dime, is just sharing people's music. I mean, if you hear something that, that you like, to share it. Because, you know, you might have 500 friends on Facebook and maybe 400 of them or 450 of them won't even take the time to watch it. But there may be two or three that it changes their life and they mm-hmm. and they share it. And it just is a snowball effect. I mean, social media is a really good thing. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of a, a bad thing. So I think it's took away a lot of uh, actual uh, interactions with people. It's so easy to kind of do it online and things. But, I mean, it's just we live in a time of day that uh, if I can put a damn podcast out at 12 o'clock, then at 12.30 somebody in Brazil can listen to it. Right. It's just it's a, the best thing that, that people can do to help the people that's trying to get their name out there is just to share their music and help help get their music out there. So my next question, we're going to do a, a few short questions in a row, but if you had the opportunity to, from this earth, just like, suck three like just god awful pop country they can be pop country they can be just terrible rock music and be it can be nickelback what three artists or bands would you just suck from the radio and they'd never show up ever again ever Ugh, that's good you question. only get three brother that's a good question let me make these three count then uh, yeah because i would take creed out like, it would not have even been in the social conscious. I would probably also remove Billy Currington from existence quickly. Like, I wouldn't want him to have pain. You know, it would just be like when someone doesn't exist anymore. You know, I'm not wishing actual hate or pain on them. There's a lot of people that write music, you know, pop country that, that it might be shitty music, but somebody out there might enjoy it. But, I love it. You're so you're so true. God damn it. But I just I don't like when people know in their heart that they're not country, but they try to act like I'm the evolution of country. I Blake Shelton, the shit he done with Ashley Monroe, like they done a song called uh, "You Ain't Dolly and I Ain't Porter." It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great. And a lot of his early stuff was great. But uh, I, if I never hear him sing nothing ever again, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> Not so much because of the music, but because of of how he wants to tell you what country is and what country isn't. When he knows in his heart, he grew up listening to, to the legends and stuff. Mm-hmm. He knows it ain't country. He just wants you to buy his money or buy his music. He just wants you to watch him on a TV show and make him a celebrity. And uh, he's doing things all for the, all the wrong reasons. So that's one person. Uh, I don't know. Uh, hell. Sam Hunt, he... Oh, God. He, uh... I, I, I've honestly not listened to, like, but maybe one or two of his songs, and I didn't realize they were his songs until, like, afterwards. Like, just kind of... Let quit. me just say that, that not to not to drop this as, like, a cool thing, even though it is, I got to go to the the Grammys this year, and Sam Hunt um, was, was there, and 
and I thought he was part of Maroon 5 for most of the evening. But then when I found out that he was not and he did something, uh, I mean, it was just the awfulest sounding awful, you know. And and the thing about it you don't see on TV when you're at the Grammys is is the audience you know, there's a huge arena, so so there's the audience in the arena that have bought tickets that are just there to see the show, and then in the, the industry, people are all down in the middle, and of course, they show them smiling and dancing and Taylor Swifting during the TV show, but when actual performances are happening, that you you get a real industry reaction, and when Sam Hunt was on there, everyone, and also Justin Bieber, which I felt that was a little unfair, because I was a believer for a moment when I saw that, but... Uh, every industry person there was their arms crossed and pissed off and looked like they hated it. And not a one of them was cracking a smile. And it's like, you know, they'll push that stuff if it's it's money. It's a cash cow. But I agree that Sam Hunt could go. Yeah, he just... The thing about pop country that I try to, like, kind of have a open mind with is, uh, like, for example, I've seen there's a, a guy locally that, that uh, had OD'd a while back. And he uh, had some of his family members and stuff, like posting horrible songs like in remembrance of him but it was songs that he enjoyed so when they hear that stuff it might not mean nothing like that to us right but to certain people you know no matter how shitty music is there's somebody out there that likes it i don't really i mean i i think the, the way country music is going it's been pretty bad for the past four or five years i think it's changing because uh you know, i read the other day that sturgill's potentially going to have the number one album on the billboard 200 mm-hmm. uh, i think people are kind of getting more tired of, of the lack of content uh, and the lack of just everything sounding the same but you know I don't care if they want to make their shitty music that's fine but there needs to be a format split to where there is access on you know country radio or whatever for the people that actually make country music right and I just you know I've been that's, that's the thing that I've, I've really wished for longer than anything it's just that uh, that people will quit telling us what is country and what isn't mm-hmm it's very restricting to have have the the no, not a real open genre. It's it's not it's you know that's why I have a problem with outlaw and I have a problem with Americana and those terms because that's like saying oh well he's an Americana artist so that means he's not a, he's not a cash cow he's going to have a, a very niche fan base and it doesn't have to be that 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 pigeonholes somebody and then if they make an Americana record and then they go over here and make a more straight country record or even go into the pop direction a little bit a little alt country kind of deal then then it it, it it causes them to to have to reinvent themselves and like so in the way that that splitting the genres is painful keeping it all one big genre is a problem too i mean I, it's a matter of taste i would just like america to have better taste for a little while just for a little while it's kind of like i mean just america in general i mean there's people that uh, they're fine with uh you know there's certain people that probably can could live off uh, a tv dinner every day for the, their life then there's people that uh, have a more defined taste i mean Mm-hmm. It's just, I think America has got lazy. Yeah. And it's just so easy to get on uh, Spotify or Pandora and push a button and, and then them tell you what you're going to hear. Yeah, and you don't even know who's singing the songs that you're that the songs, they're playing, yeah. But you know you like it, you know, or maybe you don't, but it's just, it's this country has got so lazy that uh, nobody wants to take the time to find anything with more meaning to it, I yeah. guess you would say. I mean, it's just... I don't know. I just kind of like you said. I kind of wish that uh, people would wake up and realize that there's there's a whole hell of a lot of music out there that people just they don't want to take the time to look for. All right. So here's your lightning round que- questions. You have to pick one or the other. Are you ready? Let's go. First, that your your opener is. Would you prefer being on Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy? Uh, 
I like Jeff. Willie or Waylon? Yeah. You just asked me Jesus or God. <laughs> uh, just because it's kind of what I grew up on, probably Willie. What did you think, uh, Justin Coulter? What's your answer to Willie or Waylon? Willie. Coulter refuses to answer. He he would pick some idiot Canadian. I don't know. And Justin says Willie. He's Team Willie. He Coulter probably say Towns. Um, George Strait or Dwight Yoakam? Mm. Probably George. I'd say that hurts me deep in my soul. Uh, hey, uh, that, that surprises me. It does it. It's a surprising answer from W. B. Walker, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let me think of what else I was going to. Well, add I will add this to that. I have recently <laughs> kind of got into like a lot of the early, early George Jones stuff, and I love Dwight. Don't get me wrong, but uh, hell, I mean, when you asked me that question, the song "The Door" was playing in my head. I just can't. I can't. I don't know. I might change tomorrow, I but I can't. George Strait. George Jones. Oh. Oh no! I said George Strait. Oh, George Strait or Dwight Yoakam? Oh, I th- fuck that. I thought you said... I, I thought you, <laughs> Dwight Yoakam, I thought... Okay, all right. I was thinking about George Jones. Well, uh, we got any other other questions for, for WB? Either or? They they don't prefer to talk. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask me, WB, about my life or, or my astrological sign, which is Scorpio? I can't tell any stories about Shooter being out on the road because I have a legally binding contract. I understand completely. I mean, just how did how did you get into music in general? Well, uh, I kind of fell into it, I, I, I sort of. You know, it's interesting because I was actually talking to Coulter about this not long ago about how, you know, I went to school or, or to college and have a creative writing degree, you know, like like I wanted, when I grew up, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be like, I would read the Nancy Drew books and I wanted to grow up and write books. And so it, it's kind of funny because, because I didn't even really get into music till I was a late bloomer. You know, like, I, I read tons of books, and I didn't listen to music at all. I'd sit in silence and read books for hours and, and didn't really, you know, listen to music too much. Now, when I was in high school, I would, I, I was from a rural area, Casey County, Kentucky. It, it's it's the the farthest eastern, or farthest western Kentucky County that's still considered Appalachia, and um, on a lot of maps. And so, you know, I had to, to I had a, a boom box, and I had a hanger. A metal hanger. I stuffed it in the antenna. I put two or three or four on top of it. Duct taped it out my window just so I could get the pop radio station, 104.5 The Cat in Lexington. Because I didn't hear any top 40 nothing uh, unless I did that. And so I would do that and then I would get a cassette and I would tape the radio so that I would be able to hear. That's why I know uh, forgot about Dre by heart. I heard it so many times on a cassette tape. I do too. But <laughs> we may have to break that out one of these knots. But, um, you know, I, I went to college. I, d- I did the creative writing thing. And I was interested in magazines. And I loved pop culture. And, and then I started dating musicians, which is a common problem for women. You know, it's a c- problem. Before you date them, they're a problem. While you date them, they're a problem. After you date them. I've retired. Don't hold me to it. But I have retired from dating musicians because I I just dated a couple in a row. And, you know, as I was doing that, as it as it always happens, if you're one of those girlfriends that just cares so much and you you just want to help them. I started booking them here and there and I started kind of managing them and getting their merch done. And I was working for a magazine and I met the print mafia folks and they have, you know, a merch company. They've done posters and stuff for here step up look at this over here did you notice that what, what i got on the box? oh shit you got it you got we got print mafia swag up in here but they've done you know 
posters and, and merch for, for everybody this side of the Mississippi and, and on for years. You know, they do a lot of the, they're the official poster maker for Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. They've done tons of rhyming posters, all sorts of genres. And I actually interviewed them for the magazine. And after, after the interview, you know, we became friends. And, and so that was the initial way that I got in because whenever I was pitching, um, managers and tour managers and bookers and stuff for these print mafia posters i was getting a direct connection with those musicians and you know starting to have kind of a a rapport and that's actually how i met john is uh he was managing wanda jackson at the time and we did a uh, or connie did a poster for um wanda and we went to the show it was it was when she was doing the jack white record and uh she played uh, i think the black bells opened at uh, Marathon Music Works, and I saw John standing over there, and I said, God, I said, I don't know who that is, but I hate him. I truly just hate his guts. I hope I never see that person again. I was like, he's got to be related to Wanda Jackson, because nobody that young would ever be her manager. I was like, he's got to be her nephew. Or, he's an idiot. I hate him. And so, you know, I remember at the end of the night, I saw him getting dragged out by two, like, just gross-looking whores out the door, and I didn't see him for a year. And then we started talking, um, you know, a little while after that, you know, he was the greatest, like, influence on taking me from doing this level and going up a notch. Because, you know, we started doing merch for Shooter. I started helping them out. Then Shooter went through a couple road managers, couldn't find a road manager. It was like, hey, why don't you and John come out on the road with me just for a couple of dates? Just for a couple of dates, just for a month or whatever, until I find a new road manager fucking two months in turns into two years out with that fucking little Jennings motherfucker (laughs) and his whole gang and you know so I got all this road experience and every if you don't know you know this shooter is is seriously maybe the most well-loved musician by other celebrities of all the guys out there now you know he might not have a mass fan base in the way that like your eric church does but if you want to find the country music guy that has the most other famous people other brilliant songwriters other artists that love someone in common it is shooter so you know i I got all these great connections i met all these great people through that and then just kind of started taking off and then i met coulter and i mean He's he's one of the most special um, people, human beings I know. Just anyway, uh, and it's just an added bonus that that he's he's got this great voice and he's got these great stories. How did you How did you initially hear about Coulter's music? Uh, well, actually, um, Coulter's dad um, came to Shooter played a, a, a like a run of casinos in Canada. And Coulter's dad um, came to one of them, and he met me, and he met John, and and after that, I believe, and I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Coulter, but after that, you know, his dad's name is Brad. Brad had like this this email exchange going with John, where they'd email back and forth, and that we were doing the Whalen auction around that time, and and he was interested in some Whalen items and stuff like that, and and Brad would send John these songs that he had written. And John was like, he came out and he said, God, you know, I love Brad, but I don't know about these songs. Have you heard Brad's songs? He's nodding. So he's like, I, I don't know about Brad's songs. I like them. They're, they're, they're cool, but I, I just don't know. And he said, one day he came out and he said, man, uh, Brad sent me his, his, uh, some, some songs that his kid or a video or YouTube or something of his, his kid. And 
I said, yeah. And he goes, I don't want to look at it because he's like, it's one thing if I think Brad's sons are okay. But he's like, I can't tell him, tell him that his, his son's a piece of shit. And I was like, well, I was like, just go in there and listen to it. So he went in and listened to it. And he came out and he goes, it was really good. That's all he said about it. And, you know, like it wasn't too, too long after that that he passed away. And then me and Brad got to talking and he sent it over to me. And literally the day, and I tell this all the time, Coulter's probably tired of hearing it, that the day that, that he sent me his music, I listened to that record like 30 times that day. I literally had it on repeat. And, you know, I'd helped a bunch of bunch of artists do different things throughout the years, but I was sitting there and I was talking to my friends and I said, you know, like, I think this is the one that I need to full scale, put my all my energy, all my resources, all the things I've been gathering, you know, right place, right time, into this person. And I, I still, even now after I know him personally, I wouldn't pick a different person. Well, I couldn't, there's nobody really that I could think of that, I mean, you, like I said earlier, I think that anything you touch turns to gold, and, uh, <laughs> and I really think that uh, with Coder's music and uh, you being part of the driving force behind him to try to get his music out there, I do, honestly, I mean, I, I think it's going to be sooner than later. I think we're all going to see Coder Wall doing the talk show circuits and shit like that. I think it's going to be something that... Uh, it's gonna be something special. That's the plan. Uh, but that means a lot to me. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I didn't want to really ask many questions about John and stuff because I mean I, I know, but I, it means a lot to me that John did get to hear his music. Yeah. I always kind of wondered that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something that, uh, that that really that made that really warmed my heart to know that he did get to hear his music and stuff. It was a good sign that, that, that he didn't say much either because when John really liked something, he was very thoughtful about it. You know, he came out and said, it was good, and then just kind of went back in his, his zone. But, like, you know, if he didn't like something, he would talk on and on about it. And if he did like it but he had criticisms, he would be very vocal about those criticisms. And, and you know, he didn't have – he was just saying, you know, it's just good. You know, so I feel like that's kind of a little – and I feel like he's – whether, whether or not I believe in what happens to people, you know, I feel like I definitely have some of my what I touch turns to gold is, is from him, you know, a little fairy dust on me. Yeah, he, uh, Colonel was somebody, like I was telling you earlier, when I first met him, you know, he was, like I told you, to me anyway, I looked at him, he kind of looked like he stepped out of time or something. Mm-hmm. The way he carried himself professionally, the way he dressed, the way he acted, I mean, he just, he just was a professional in all aspects, and, uh, hell, we, we need more people in this world like John, and uh, he was always so good to me. I mean, hell, he didn't. I, I contacted him, so yeah, I do a podcast, and, uh, you know, he helped out with uh, me getting to interview him and Shooter, and uh, and that, that it's funny because when I interviewed John and Shooter, my show peaked, like, on the podcast charts at number, like, 69, and that was until, until you shared everything. That was the best it had ever done, so the... Two people, if I could name any two people that had helped my show get heard more than anybody, it would have to be you and John, and that, well, that, that means a lot to me. Well, we're going to try we'll, we'll keep working on it. We're, we're wanting to get to number one, right? That's the goal? Yeah. What I, were we with Coulter, nine? The highest I've seen it was 11, but they, 11. Don't, but they don't do, there's no statistics. It's just you have to visually get on there and see it. They don't see any reports or nothing. Uh-huh. So it may have got higher, but the highest I've seen it was 11, and I think Rolling Stone their podcast was like 12 or 13, so I mean, that's... Well, my that's lucky number cool. is six, so that's the goal. That's the goal in mind. So I'm saying now that I, I'm i I'm pushing it, and I'm on here, and Coulter's on here, and freaking Justin Payne's on here. I mean, my God, what a great freaking singer. 
I mean, every time I come around here, I get something something else. It's just, I mean, it's just brilliant and it's heartfelt. And and your song that he sang, my God, I got to get my shit together. I got to come up with something. I got to be a painter or something. Justin, I have I nothing. Mean, you know, everybody knows Justin's like a brother to me and stuff. But I mean, even if I hated his damn guts, I'd have to say that he's one of the best songwriters that that I've probably ever heard. I mean, he just he writes things that hit you right in the heart. You know, just. And he writes about his upbringing, and, and especially if you're from, you know, Kentucky, West Virginia, down south, anywhere where, you know, you can kind of relate to what he's singing about. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it ha- it, it's going to make you feel something. It really is. And it's just, it just means the world to me to have him in my life. You know, hell, he's he's the best friend I've ever had, and he means the absolute world to me. So I, I appreciate that you... Oh, I love it. I would say, if I didn't like it, Justin, I would just say nothing. I would say, he's a real nice guy. Or like, you know, another comment, if you ever hear me talk about something and I say, they had really nice merchandise, that means I didn't care for their set. That's the hardest, that's one of the the hardest things for me because I made it myself a promise. I mean, it's, it's it's the only rule to my show, you can say whatever the fuck you want on here. You, you know, you can do whatever, but there's the only rule with my show is I will not play anything and try to put something out there unless I didn't want to hear it myself. Because mm-hmm. that's all, I mean, that's the only guideline. I mean, I might play something on my show people not, might not like, but I liked it, and that's the only thing that I can go by. Yeah. So, so one of the hardest things is when people send me stuff because I hate, I, 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 I'm like you, if I, if I don't say nothing, it means I don't like it, but I just can't be rude and stuff. And that's one of the hardest things when you, when you really like somebody as a person and you want to play their music, but, and the nicest people have the worst shit, man. Is. Isn't that the truth? Good God. It's, it's, nicest people. It's like, it's like thank God that the Pope don't put out music because we'd all be just like, I mean, good God. Nicest people ever, and then they bring out their guitar, and it's like. The worst thing, though, is when I get like emails from people, and they're like, man, I'm a big fan of your show. I've been listening to you forever. I think this would fit in good with your show. And I've literally had like people send me like electronic music. I'm starting to think, man, if you've ever listened to like four <laughs> seconds of my show, you'd realize that that... T- uh, tugging those heartstrings, man. Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of, I mean, I get a lot of emails like that. And usually the emails are just to the point, like, hey, check this out. It's usually the music is pretty damn good because mm-hmm. they let their music speak for itself instead of building it up like it's a uh, fucking second coming of a Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club <laughs> band or some shit like so that. So the house mix of my album's out, you're not going to push it for me? Well, uh, I didn't want to tell you, Justin, oh, but... Okay. Uh, I think I said enough there. <laughs> hey, so also, did you already play Tanya's song or not on this? No, we did not. Do you want to get to it? Yes. Um, I wanted to, to, you know, WB's been kind enough to let me take over his, like, entire life in here, like some sort of maniac dictator woman. Um, Mary, can I go pee? No. Okay. You, you say please. So, <laughs> listen. Please, can I go pee? <laughs> um... So, so I, you know, WB let, let them pick some songs, and he was kind enough, even though I'm a woman, to let me pick a song, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's one of the most prog- progressive little West Virginia men I've ever met thus far. He's hiding. He's, if, if he's horrible, I haven't seen it yet. And I wanted to pick, um, you haven't heard Tanya's stuff. I've had, I've seen, like, post fact, about it. I was talking earlier about people trying, needing to listen to shit when people share it. I've seen it. I haven't listened. But uh, I'm looking forward to hearing it now. Yeah, she put out um, she put out this EP probably a few months ago. I mean, she's just she's a great songwriter. You know, people always like, oh, go see David Allen Coe's daughter. You know, it's the whole same kind of thing that you deal with being Shooter Jennings or Lucas Nelson or or any of the other daughters and sons of people. But you know, she is very different from David Allen Coe. She's definitely an alt country 
smoky, indie kind of thing. And um, she's also just a siren. You know, long legs, red hair, beautiful face. Doesn't look like old David Allen Coe at all. You know, old David Allen Coe. Well, or young David Allen Coe. She just is a, is a siren. And I'm, I'm one of her biggest cheerleaders because I think she, she made a great record. And, and I, want, I think people that care about music, like the ones that listen to your podcast, will really appreciate her. Speaking of women that look like David Allen Cole, Justin, it made me think of Debbie at the Shield. Oh, yeah, Debbie. <laughs> who's who's Debbie? Debbie? Uh, Debbie was a woman at a bar in Boone County that Tyler Childers played that when he played Nose to the Grindstone, which you know mm-hmm. what it's about, she was like, fuck no, hell no. Then he played. Debbie. Yeah, Debbie. Then he played, <laughs> got stoned and missed it, and she was up there like trying to rub his back and shit. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, she was trying to get him to. I kind of like Debbie. I think I might want to hang out with Debbie. I dance with Debbie. She's a pretty good dancer. Uh-huh. She can break it down for a... Well, she's pro- she looks like she's 60. She's probably only 34. I'd yeah, say. she's probably younger than me. Oh, oh, wait. I got another question. I got another one. This is the last one. I promise. I won't ask you any more and you can go pee. Okay. Listen. And Coulter, I want you to answer this question, too. Um... This is this is your hall pass question. You know, like, this is something Misty and Shooter always talk about because Misty says that, you know, Shooter lets her have a hall pass, meaning, like, she, if she gets, she can fuck one dude that ain't Shooter, and hers is Bon Jovi. So if she gets the opportunity, he will forgive her for getting with Bon Jovi. So I want to know, if you got a hall pass, any country singer, chick singer, Coulter's leaving because he hates these kind of questions. Uh, but I, I'm not going to tell him his, his answer's Amy Lou Harris. He's laughing because he knows I'm right. He even Amy Lou Current. He 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 don't care. She looks, she she looks great. She looks great. She's been, what? You know, she's been great since she's been what twenty five. I know she's like, beautiful. Yeah. Is it Amy Lou Harris? Yeah. It's Amy Lou Harris. Who is your hall pass? Fallon forgives you already. I've I discussed this with her. And Justin, who would yours be? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you, it's kind of it's, it's changed a little bit over the years. I would used to have to say. Probably Elizabeth Cook. Oof. Because I was smoke show. Yes, I mean twelve out of ten. It wouldn't even have to be. I could just like sit in the corner and she could just have a conversation, and I'd probably you know just talk, and I'd probably be happy. But I've always had had a thing for uh, for uh, Leanne Womack. Mm. And after when I interviewed Shooter, he talked about uh, how she used to when he toured with her, she would always get off the stage and she'd walk in the the tour bus or whatever and drank a couple of Jaeger bombs and put, uh, that's why he done the George Jones song, The Door, mm-hmm. on that, uh, uh, on the George Jones tribute EP, was because she used to play that song like clockwork. So I think she'd be a pretty cool chick to, uh... Hang out with in a social occasion? Yeah, uh-huh. Like, we know what you mean. Justin, do you have an answer for us? You can pick, you can... Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks! God! That's, see, I like him even more now. Simple. Whew, Stevie Nicks. My that's God, that's a pretty good answer. Actually. That is Stevie Nicks is a smoke show too. Even now, current Stevie. Oh, yeah, right now. All right, hmm. Emmy Lou, Stevie, and who was yours? Leanne Womack. Leanne Womack. Well, I'm turning the table. If there's one, uh, oh God, if there's one guy that you could just ravage his bones. Do they have to be living? <laughs> like, could it be like I brought them back from time? Yeah, I got faith. Do we, we want to keep this in the the singer genre? Yeah. Okay, singer genre. Um. Now I always joke with my friends that I'd still hit hit Dwight Yoakam if as long as he kept a hat on. So yeah. so there's that just because of his legs. 
I love his legs. I got a leg problem. Coulter knows about this too. I I don't like men that don't have long legs. Um, or just the illusion of them. Um, as far as singers, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird answer, but maybe, maybe Bowie. Like, back in the day, Bowie, like, when he was, like, still, like, really just racking him up with chicks. I'd, I'd, Bowie or um, or Dwight, man. Dwight's had some hot chicks. And I don't think he pulls that tail just from being a singer. I think he's got to be making up for it somewhere, if you know what I mean. I'd say he is. I'd say something's going on with old Dwight. And his girlfriend is, is a friend of mine, so I hope, I hope, I will send this to her. Emily, if you're listening, I apologize for what I've said about Dwight's body and hat. And Actually, I mean, he could take the hat off. It's fine. Funny thing about Dwight that just made me think of something. My grandma was like 85, 86, but I can remember like back in the early 90s when, you know, he was, you know, the king on, on the mountain type deal. I remember my grandma one time, I was like watching CMT or something. She was like, hmm. Them jeans. That's Ooh. all she said. And I was like, and it, that's something that it bothered me for a long time. <laughs> then now I, I think I about it, you I'm into like, flashbacks. Well, his ass did look pretty damn good back in 1992. Oh, lordy <laughs> mercy. Yeah, maybe Dwight. If country guy's definitely Dwight. I mean, but I don't, I don't know about rock guy. Oh, Jack White. Whew. Jack you know, John John told me that he, he specifically did not allow me to meet Jack White because he was afraid of what would He was afraid I'd leave him. Did He's like, Jack likes redheads, and I'm afraid of what will go down here. Where John managed Wanda, did he have many dealings and stuff? With I know that he'd done that, that uh, Wanda record on Third Man. Yes. He? Well, actually, actually, you know, Wanda, to be, to be fair, John is the reason that Wanda had that resurgence of her career because, you know, when he met her, she, was, she wasn't doing a whole lot. She was kind of playing the same circuit again, you know, you know didn't have a huge hit record for her hit song for a long time. And, and actually, John was the one who, who, who orchestrated that entire partnership, you know, like... He he tracked Jack down, and Jack was a big fan, and and they cut the record, and John got to you know he had some some really cool uh, like videos and stuff on his phone that are lost into the ether now uh, of Wanda and Jack in the studio, and and actually Wanda opened uh, you know at that time Adele had only done one U.S. tour, and he was he was uh, listening to some radio interview, and Adele said that one of her biggest influences was was Wanda Jackson, and John used to tell a story. He said, you know, I heard on the radio that Adele say Wanda Jackson was her biggest influence. He said, I got on the Internet, I found her booking agent, found her manager, called and got through all these people, and by the end of that day, 24 hours, Wanda was opening that the entire Adele tour. And so, you know, for anyone that even knows Wanda now or has a reference for her because of Jack or because of Adele or because of a lot of the other things that John did, you know, it, it is his claim that she got her career back and had another, you know, round of, of uh, attention, you know, that late, you know, in her years. And, you know, she's brilliant anyway. Deserved it. Something that I've always kind of wondered because, I mean, anybody that, that even knew John a little bit knew that he was pretty big Elvis fan and stuff. Huge. So. He would get drunk and hold people captive. Be like, one more Elvis song, you know, this deep cut, Moody Blue? Not to get off topic, but. I feel like you hold people captive and do the same behavior. Is that true? Well, it ain't that late yet. <laughs> we'll find out here in a little bit. Uh, you realize I had that pretty badass railroad lock on the door. Oh, it? God. It's kind of like uh, what Motel California. Oh, Jesus Christ. But, uh. The last, the last recordings of Coulter Wall have just been. <laughs> but the, uh, what did it mean 
to John with managing Wanda, knowing that uh, Wanda and Elvis used to be the. Um, I think I think it was well. One thing that happened as a result of him uh, managing Wanda is they got to tour Graceland after hours when all the ropes were off. They got to go stand in the kitchen. You know, they they took him on a tour. They let him go in the. The, the big white room that has the long white couch, and they were actually sitting in there. Well, and I mean, did he get to go in the bathroom? He did not. Because I've heard like nobody gets to go. Nobody. In the now I heard Nicholas Cage got to go upstairs uh, because he was married to uh, what's her face for a, a period of time, and John would always bitch about that. He'd be like, "Fucking Nicholas Cage of all fucking." Jackson shit in that toilet i hope so um <laughs> that's the best yeah but you know it was very meaningful to him to to be involved with her and she has great stories about um you know elvis coming to her hotel room and he had been gone and um and she'd gotten married in that time because he he had this quote that was in the newspaper and somebody asked him you know when he went to the military they said what are you going to do when you get back home and there was this quote uh you know when i get back to the united states first thing i'm gonna do is marry wanda jackson and so when he came back, uh, she's already married to her husband, who is now still her husband and, and manager. And um, so it's just, I mean, that was just the world to him. And she would tell those, she'd always tell those Elvis stories in front of John because he, he never got tired of hearing them. And, I can imagine. And, be like um, somebody talking about hanging in front of me or something. I'm yeah. Guessing. Which, I mean, John, again, was like very privileged to have met a lot or most of the, the Elvis kind of um entourage and and guys that played with him and and tutor and we all went to to graceland and he did graceland radio one time and john got to go in there and they they talked about elvis on the on the thing so you know he got a lot of as as much tcb as i think someone can get really i'll tell you something kind of funny i didn't i, I watched a on espn they do these like little documentaries mm-hmm. and they done a documentary documentary the other day about how elvis when he was trying to get healthy and lose all this weight, that he like become like his big racquetball junkie, mm-hmm. and he actually was going to build like all these racquetball, uh, like uh, hell these you know arenas and shit, and they can call it, like Presley's Center Court. That's what they're going to call it. And Colonel Parker was like, "Oh no, that's a bad idea." Mm-hmm. Uh, but Colonel Parker, you know, nobody knew forever, but he was I think from like Norway or some yep. shit like that. Mm-hmm. But do you know where he lied and told people that he was born and raised? Mm-mm. Huntington, West Virginia. Don't really? know why, but I did just, not know that. I don't know if he just opened up like I think. Let me think of the most just out of the place state they are, and he opened up like a map of West Virginia and said, "Well, Huntington sounds like a cool place." I mean, I don't know where that come from. Yeah, but I mean, that's I, I, now there's something with with him being from Norway, where the reason that Elvis never went to Europe was because Colonel Tom couldn't go back, right? Well, well that's how they that's how he got exposed is because they had played like some Elvis concerts or some shit on TV over there, and people was like. His mom had been dead for years, and mm-hmm. and he ran away from home like when he's like in his early twenties. Yeah, his sister died. He, he they kind of exposed him and said, "That's our brother. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's that's my nephew." Yeah, and that's how everybody found out that he. In that, I mean, he he you know he helped make Elvis what he was, but when it comes to there's a lot of things that he was kind of maybe he's, he's a just, monster. Maybe he was just ashamed of being from there. He wanted to be a good old boy from mm-hmm. like Elvis was from from the south. And he wanted to be from the south, but he. Uh, for whatever reason, he said he was from Huntington, West Virginia. Yeah. You talking a minute ago about uh, about John holding people captive and playing uh, <laughs> playing Elvis and stuff. You know, I got you know, you've seen my family. Right? I got three kids and stuff, and I don't get to get out a whole lot. When I do, I try to make the best of it. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm a family guy. My responsibilities are first. I don't get to see as many shows and shit as I like to. But uh, something that I wish that I would have got to experience 
and uh, Josh Green's told me stories and things. I kind of wish that I, I would have loved to experience when the colonel was held, holding people captive. And yeah. I would have loved to be able to hear him be like, WB, have you heard Mickey Newberry? Uh-huh. I would have loved that because I've heard there's been so many people that tell me that before you would leave, a lot of times he would play Mickey Newberry. Mickey Newberry, yep. And uh, I'd like to, well, I'd still like someday maybe check out that old 45 jukebox. Yeah, every every year on um, on John's birthday, he would call um, uh, the WSM in Nashville, and he would he would request Mickey Newberry every single year for himself. He would call for his own self and say, "Today is my birthday. I want to hear this," and they'd play it every single year. And that was his his tradition, which I'm gonna keep up on his birthday. Um, but yeah, he'd play Mickey Newberry. He'd usually get through the Merle catalog and, and Vern Gosden, uh, Webb Pierce. Uh, I mean, it was just, I mean, I got my country music education from him sometimes willingly and sometimes not so willingly. Speaking of Merle, uh, you want to tell the Merle story? Uh, I will. I will. Uh, poor Merle. Um, you know, Shooter did a couple. He had played with Merle a couple times before, and you know, there's the the famous story about Waylon and Merle in Waylon's book. Um, which, if you don't know that story, you should just get Waylon's book because I'm not going to tell that. But, but um, you know, Waylon had had not so good of a time with Merle the last last time around, and Shooter kind of had a kind of had a little little chip on his shoulder about that. But he agreed to do these open dates with Merle. Um, they were in. Uh, Fucktown somewhere and Fucktown 2 somewhere. Uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota and uh, Mankato, Minnesota was where they were. Sorry, Minnesota and South Dakota. Um, and, um, you know, he opened the shows and, and the first night um, we got on Merle's bus to, to meet Merle and and uh, his wife was there. And now Merle had met and his wife had met John previously when John was like 19 years old, but but they did not even recognize him because when he was 19 years old, he was a little nerd that was just doing a website for him. They didn't even recognize that it was the same person, and John didn't even correct them. He just came in as a new, as his new identity, which is kind of a, an interesting um, character thing with him. Um, but so, you know, the w- weird thing was Merle's wife was passing around this booze and at the whole time we were there, and and I was not drinking it because I tend to be this, the sober one at the end of the night and the only one, and I've learned my lesson, and... And so I would pass it, and then John would take a big swig of it. Merle would pass it. Shooter would take a, a, a shooter swig of it. And then the wife would take it, and she would t- look to John, and she'd pretend to take a swig, a big swig, and she'd be like, can you beat mine? And she wouldn't drink any of it. And she'd give it to him, and she was just getting him shit house. <laughs> and um, by the end of the night, you know, we talked to him for a while, and, and I was trying to talk to him about The Downside, uh, which, is, which is my favorite Merle Haggard song. It was kind of mine and John's song. Um, it's on that record, uh, like never before Haggard. And, um, and, uh, I was trying to talk to him about that. I was like, man, the downside, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I don't remember that song. I was like, okay, well, I'll go sit over here and be quiet and look like an idiot. And, um, so right, we were about to leave and John has just got the liquid courage in him, man. And he's like, God, no, no, we gotta leave. We can't leave without a picture. We gotta get a picture. And now Merle had taken his boots off. He's in his RV. He's taking his hat off, everything. And and Merle's like, well, why don't we get a picture tomorrow? We're playing with you tomorrow. And he's like, no, no, Merle, we're getting a picture now, now. It's happening now. And he's getting his phone. And he's giving it to the wife. And he's like, you're going to take the picture. You don't need to be in the picture. It's like, oh God, oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, 
And so there we go. We go over there to stay in the picture. And Merle's like, I really would rather not do this right now. You know, I, I really would just rather not. And John just plops down in the seat, you know, on this little RV or the tour bus beside him. And that's what's happening in the picture. It's just so uncomfortable because, you know, there's a set, like three or four pictures. And in all of them, Merle, is he's pointing in one of them. In the other one, I'm holding his chest like this back. And then in the ones that I haven't posted, you know, he's like literally going to the camera like, no, please don't take my picture now. And, you know, as we're sitting there, we get the picture. We all start to move. And Merle pecks, pecks John on the shoulder. And he's like, hey, hey, you got to move. You are sitting in my lap. <laughs> and, you know, John is like, oh, God damn, man. Like, he's not there, speaking in third person. I can't believe I was fucking sitting in my Haggard's lap. <laughs> and so, you know, they're like, all right, well, we'll see you guys tomorrow. And, and John's like, well, actually, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more. You know, he is just full-on liquid courage. And they're like, no, no, no. And Shooter's like, no, no, it's time to exit the thing. And John was like, well, fuck off then. We get off the bus, and they had just given John Shooter's check. He literally ripped that check up on the outside of the bus and said, I don't need fucking Merle Haggard's money. And... Needless to say, the next day we showed up to play again with Merle, and um, John said he he said that it was the most he felt like walking like a dog with his tail between his legs. And he went up and and uh, he got he was he was avoiding Merle and his wife. And the wife came up to me and she goes, "Honey, can I ask you a question?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, she looks points at Shooter and John. She goes, "Which one of them are you dating?" And I said, "The tall one." And she's like, God bless you, honey. God bless you. And we were not allowed on Merle Haggard's bus the next night. We were not allowed entry. We were not allowed to go over into his general VIP area. We were, and Shooter hasn't opened for him again. So I assume, I think Merle would have forgave that if he's, as much as he's been on the road, he might have loved it. But yeah, he sat on his lap. I'd say Merle probably has, he could probably... If he could still tell stories, he could probably tell a lot of stories like that. I'm sure he could. I'm sure he could. Yeah, that's the truth. I, I, I sometimes wonder if if after John passed away, he just got greedy and started taking taking everybody else to join him. I kind of have, have had that. Shooter and I have had that theory uh, quite a bit. Well, do you want to get into some Miss Cole here? Oh, yeah, for sure. If you'll play, um, you know, her, her her record's called Silver Bullet. That's a, that's a title track, so you can play that one. And, and you know what, WB, in, in post-edit, if you hear another Tanya song you want to throw in, throw one in, and otherwise, maybe some Mickey Newberry. You just honestly read my mind. I'm psychic. And I, I, you just kind of <laughs> literally give me chill bumps. Uh, <laughs> what Mickey Newberry song do you want to end uh, with? Well, um, I'm trying to think of the... He liked one of those deep cuts. I was, I was trying to think of, of what it... Give me a minute to try to think of the deep cut. I'll let you know. Okay. We'll, we'll, it'll be some some Mickey... I'm trying to remember what it's called, and I'm trying to not hum it on this because that would just be disturbing, but some Mickey Newberry song will be played after Tanya. All right, here's Tanya Coe with uh, Silver Bullet, and uh, we'll hear old brother Mickey Newberry here in a second on WB Walker's Old Soul Radio Show. Woo! Oh.
Tanya Cole telling you all about the Silver Bullet, followed by Mickey Newberry with The Future's Not What It Used To Be, uh, 
I know a song that meant a lot to the to the colonel. It means a lot to me that you all went out of your way today to come down here. I mean, hell, Justin Payne and Mary Colder, it just, man, this has been something special. And I sure hope that everybody listening has enjoyed this. I, I really appreciate you all uh, coming down and checking the old barn and grill. Kind of, well, there ain't much, ain't no grill in here yet, but. Uh, we need some hot dogs in here, WB. I need hot dog spinning. Get on it. Delegated this position. He's the hired help today. The hot dog man, Justin Payne. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something Poodles called him a couple times, I believe. <laughs> but it, it really means the world to me that you all come down here. I mean, it's not every day that uh, that I get to have people as special as you all down here. So it's uh, definitely something that I won't never forget anytime soon. I really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you having us, yeah. and we consider it a, a big opportunity, and it won't be the last time we come through, I don't think. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely I not. think we'd be willing to come back down here. Only if Justin's here, too. Yeah. Well, usually if the, the original gang will have to reunite. He's kind of like, he's the regular here. Yeah. I mean, if the door's open, <laughs> he's here. <laughs> but I do appreciate everybody listening in, and uh, you know, it has to get about time again. It's time for all of us to pack on up mosey on. But uh, I know this is kind of different than uh, than a lot of the shows that I do, but uh, man, I, I think it's something special, and I really hope you all enjoy it. And don't forget, you can pick up Justin's music over at justinpain1.bandcamp.com, available on iTunes, among other places. And like Colder was telling you earlier, you can get his music from Amazon, iTunes. Uh, if you want to really put the money in his pocket the quickest, you know, he's on the road, helping with gas money and expenses and shit. Uh, and it's just good to have a physical copy in your hand. Uh, Coderwall.com is where you need to go. But uh, where can people go, Mary, to find out more about Oh, yeah, uh, you can follow, you. follow me. I just hit the 6,000 mark on Instagram at Young Mary's Record. What are you at, WB? Like 45, something we like got to work on getting WBs up. And uh, and you can go to youngmarysrecord.com and all of the my blog and everything's there. Well, you heard the lady. Mm-hmm. Check her out. If you haven't already, I'm sure a lot of you know exactly who... Miss Young Mary here is. But uh, I've had a blast doing this one, and I hope you all enjoy it. Like always, you all take her easy and have a good one. On WBC next week. Ow. Ow. You sound like you're in pain, Justin Payne. Ow. That's my name. The clock's called the same. Yeah, time sure does fly by when you're having fun. Lord, you mean we've been here about as long as we're welcome? Yeah, I reckon it's about time to get our satchels and go, Hank. That's right. Friends, we'll see you again in the morning. Until then, this is Hank Williams saying best of luck and health to you. Thanks for listening. If the good Lord's willing and the creeks don't rise, we'll see you in the morning. Lola, put the coffee pot on. Put the biscuits in the oven. I'll be there right away, if not sooner than that.